Hey, this is Zach. Before we get into this week's episode, just a little heads up that due to the thunderstorm that occurred the night of our recording, Tuesday, September 3rd, we were dealing with some audio difficulties, so please bear with us. The episode turned out fine, and we think you'll enjoy it. So without further ado, here's week two. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. My name is Zachary Bader-Shamai. I'm Dakota Vine. Week two in the OUA is in the books. Another exciting week of action. We're going to get into all of our reviews for the games as well. We'll get into our previews for week three as well as a couple new bits of content that we snuck in there this week that hopefully you'll enjoy. But before we dive into that, we're going to quickly go over our picks for the week two players of the week offense, defense, and special teams. So Dakota, why don't you start us off? I think it's pretty easy here. Killer Clay. Clay with a K, 450 plus in the air, over 100 on the ground, six touchdowns. That's my pick. Easy enough. And so easy that I, I can't even put up another name to compete with that. It's got to be secure for UFT getting the dub at Varsity Stadium. We'll get into all the details. Dakota, you were there. Can't wait to hear about the experience. That's an easy pick. Moving over to the defensive side, this one was a little tricky. Part of me wanted to give it to Beeksma from Guelph for arguably single-handedly winning him, winning them that game. But I had to kind of do a bit of a, a an off-the-script move here. I got to give my defensive player to the whole McMaster Marauders defense. These boys came out to play on Saturday. Without even going into much detail, I'm just going to leave it at this. They had six interceptions and seven sacks. It, it's really hard to argue with that. And and from your, your vast pick, since you just took the whole team there. Damn right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick out just one one little player. You know, he didn't really show up on the on the stat sheet a, a heck of a lot, but Eric Blake, he was all over the field if you were watching that game. So, you know, sometimes they say men lie, women lie, numbers don't, but sometimes numbers do. That's my player of the week. I'll go into a little bit later, but he was all over the field. And we'll move on to the special teams player. I think this is another unanimous vote for us. But Dakota, I'll give you the honor since you did coach him up. I did coach him, and I was honestly surprised he didn't win this last week. Um, so he just had to come show out again. You know, 106-yard return on the opening kick. Clay Thompson, also known as Clark Barnes. That's that's my pick for special teams player of the week. You call him Clay Thompson. I'll call him Barney. Whatever you want to call him, the man is an absolute threat returning kicks there particularly when it's the opening one of the game. So we'll get into all those details, but we'll jump into our first game of the week, that being Ottawa versus Mac. Final score in this game, the McMaster Marauders 35, the Ottawa GGs 22. Mac's home opener in Hamilton, full crowd at Ron Joyce. Always a wild place to play. They really packed that place in tight. And starting on the Ottawa side of things, because this is the first game we've seen them in all season, a couple notes from the jump. No Dawson O'Day in the backfield, and he was one of the top running backs in the league last year. We mentioned it last week in the podcast. I don't really know what his status is, given that purely based on his eligibility, he should be able to play for them. So that's something that I'm still looking to, to figure out what's going on with that. But as far as their passing attack, which was just as lethal as darn near anyone else in the O last year, you have Bittner, and he's throwing to his guys like St. Pierre and to Matheson and to Callum Beaver, 
who's just you know still has that ridiculous speed you saw on a bunch of returns where if he gets any type of open field, he just gives it the gas. But it's really going to be the running game that's going to need to show you know show some signs of life, particularly spoiler alert with the loss of Sawyer Bittner in this game. Um, but when it really comes down to it, this game was uh, a beautiful defensive battle. This was my pick for game of the week. And we saw just such a, a violent, vicious Mac defense going after Ottawa all game long and against a team that has a fairly stout offensive line. Dakota, what was your take from it? Sorry, just give me give me one sec here. I'm I'm trying to I'm doing an NFL draft right now. I'm seeing if I can pick up McMaster's defense. because um, <laughs> just after that game, you know, they had six interceptions, seven sacks. Um, you you can't even count the amount of times that, that Bittner got hurried. You know, you want to talk about him getting hit seven times for sacks. I think that was Max defense. Yeah, sorry, we got Max defense out the door right now trying to get in. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, in, in a big player that really stood out to me, um, and maybe not so much on the stat line, but Eric Blake, uh, drafted by the Edmonton Eskimos last year. I don't know why Edmonton made a foolish decision of letting him go back down. This guy was all over the field, okay? Uh, I think he had three three solos, uh, three assists, one one sack, one interception. But every single play where Bittner was throwing that ball early, which forced most of the, those interceptions, he was there. He got a hand in the face. He got a, a hit with the release. Like, he was all over the field making life miserable for this quarterback. Yeah, and the defense as a whole is really the sum of some incredible performances across the board. And while guys like Blake you can point out to as being standouts and, you know, other guys like Noah Hallett, who had a massive game, sack and an interception, who was who the rookie? What's the rookie corner's name there? Josh, Josh Cumber. Josh Now at three picks on the year, two in this game. And sure, one was an overthrown ball, kind of landed right in his lap. But, you know, proven the old expression about DBs not having hands wrong there because, well, obviously – uh, so you could pick any number of these guys. Enoch with the pick six at the end of the game, the ball that fell on his lap. So so many standout performances, but it's really the fact that all these guys are playing for the same team that's just so dangerous. It's a, it's a scary D, and I'll be honest, and we were talking before uh, going into to next week, I won't get into it right now, but this defense is scary. This defense is probably the best defense I've seen looking at the last two weeks of football, and I've watched pretty much every game. I'll put them I'll put them number one right now as, as they were – absolutely terrifying they were tearing Ottawa apart and Ottawa's not bad they weren't going against a bad team Ottawa's O-line is good like you were saying but they were just making Bittner's life a living hell and the the funny thing for me watching this game is I, I didn't see it live I watched it after the fact on the OUA TV website and I had heard that Bittner got hurt and on various occasions on you know any number of those was seven sacks in the game yeah I'd say on at least four of them leading up to the one that eventually, you know, forced him to leave the game prematurely. I was saying to myself, oh, this is, this, this is the, the one, one he's not getting he, up. Yeah. And then he'd get up and then, okay, they keep going. And then, oh, he'd get taken down again. And, oh, no, he's back on his feet. And there was, <laughs> I was honestly just sweating watching the game because <laughs> just knowing that this was going to happen. And, you know, I don't mean to make light of it, obviously a, a very serious very serious injury, hoping nothing for the best uh, uh, for Bittner, an incredible athlete, an incredible ball player. And, of course, you just don't want to see that happen to, to anyone, no matter the circumstances or, or anything like that. 
Um, but ah, man, this Mac defense is is really something else. Yeah, they've always been in. Obviously, it's a completely different guy, but a completely different team. But you know, Mac's defense is the one that you know took Will Finch out with his with his last concussion. Like they've always been such a, a ferocious defense, and I don't think that intensity and that aggressiveness has changed even with the personnel in there. Like, they're they're going to be something throughout this entire season, and if this offense can get up to what the max standards are for offense, you know this team could be could be the real deal. I had them going six and two, which you know is is still really good, but mm. I'm going to stay with a six and two, but like a good six and two this season. They're they're going to go deep playoff push if they can keep up with this. Six and two this year in the O might be the first place finisher tied for around first as well. So th- no, that's nothing short of a great year, but. As you alluded to on the offensive side of the ball for Mac, a continuation for such a, a beautiful display of offense that we saw week one versus Guelph with Duick at the helm really showing that he has taken control and really just a sense of professionalism watching this offense. Scenarios where Ottawa would be bringing pressure. And shout out to Ottawa's defense. They were balling out too. They were going after Duick all game long as well. Yeah, I think they had three or four sacks and an interception, something like that. Yeah, something. Yeah, going after all day long. Shout out to Tremaine Steven, Toronto kid from Metro Toronto, MT Dubs, play at Northern Secondary, uh, causing havoc in the middle. But times where Ottawa was bringing pressure and they would just make the simple play, just get it to the open man or a quick little screen play. Or at times where Ottawa's bringing pressure, so using the play action, hit into a man really quick or a couple QB draws and, you know, once again, I'm certain a lot of this is the Steph to task effect, but you have to also bake into the equation. Todd Galloway, former OC, former head coach from Guelph, now working there. I forget the exact capacity, what title he holds there, but you have so many great football minds working for this team that it's just, man, week after week, they're just looking better and better. We still, still no sign of Jordan Lyons. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing rumblings here and there that he's he's still dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury. I'm also just just from a couple sources here that you know he doesn't know if he's if he's ready to come back, and I don't know if that's 100% based on injury or a little bit mental, kind of an Andrew Luck situation. You know, sometimes the wear and tear of football, especially when you're a running back, it it can just be a little much, especially you know you're a student athlete, you you're there for school number one, and then football number two, no matter what you want to say about it. So. I'd love to see him in the backfield there. Like I said last time, Justice Allen and, and Lions could be a real dangerous thing, especially if uh, Justice can stay healthy too. Drink some more water, man. I saw you cramping on the sideline. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it just really depends if he's gonna if he's gonna come back or not. Right right now, I think Mac's gonna move forward with the impression that he's not gonna return. And man, that, that that's a tough loss, you know. Regardless of all the accolades we're throwing towards their offense, that while Canadian football. And I, I was on this corner a lot last year. That obviously Canadian football, you got to be able to throw the rock. But I'm still a firm believer that, especially whew, Max defense, really trying to get in here, man. We're done, we're saying nothing but good things about you boys. Chill out out there. <laughs> but you know, especially with the type of weather that comes about in late October into November, when that ball gets a little more a little more tricky to handle, a little more slippery with the rock. You have to be able to have a guy you can hand the ball off to. And obviously they have guys you can hand off to, but especially the type of guy like Jordan Lyons where he just pounds the rock up the middle. You're not as concerned about any type of fumble concerns or anything like that. Uh, just a, a stalwart back in the backfield. But 
as of now, it's all looking rosy for this Mac for this Mac team. Yeah, they're they're definitely like I said, they're going to be someone to fear. We both have the same game of the week next week, and I'll be I'll be down there at, at Ron Joyce to watch a uh, Mac face off my good old Mustangs. And I'm still torn between who I want to pick for that one, but I know you've decided your pick. I I have. We'll uh, we yeah we'll I'll wait on that a little bit. Uh, I, I'm so excited to to reveal it here. I'll <laughs> to put it on wax here. You know, once again, not to make light of, of what happened to Sawyer, but I couldn't help making the pun in my head when he went out and they bring in the backup. And I'm thinking, well, it's going to take a miracle for them to win. And what the <laughs> hell happened? They bring in Ben Miracle. I mean, <laughs> like the stars literally lined up for them to make the comeback. Of course, he ends up with the tip pass that ends up in Enoch's hands, taking it for six, putting the nail in the coffin. But another great performance from Mac. And on Ottawa's side of things, obviously, you, know, you got to figure out what's going to, you know, how the offense is going to rally around Mar- uh, Miracle, assuming that Sawyer's out for some time, which without knowing a, a, an actual update, I think it's fair to assume he will be missing some time. Definitely, yeah. The way, the way he looked after that hit, I, I can't see him bouncing back for, for that next year. Yeah. But I wonder, because this is always a, a big motivational factor in, in sports and I feel like football in particular the the fact that losing Sawyer is going to give them that well you know the the they, they no longer become a, a favorite in any regard so you know I'm hoping the Gigi's can maybe play the no one believes in us card at this point they're counting us out if they can get O'Day back get that running game going they as we mentioned they have a very strong O-line they still have weapons at receiver so maybe they can make some some things happen there. That defense is still that defense is still very strong. Cranston in the uh, secondary, along with Grease, who uh, continually living up to his name, laid the wood on I forget who it was for Mac uh, on that big fumble they had in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, and of course, a big shout out again to Tremaine, and they got uh, Rashad on on the D line. So, some good guys there. So really hoping that. With the amount of talent on this team, they can still put up a fighting effort uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, you know, I think just on my on my last one here, looking at the schedule, if their offense can really rally around this new quarterback, their defense stays strong. Just looking at the September schedule, I'd be surprised if they if they don't squeak out three wins. And so, taking a look at the schedule, and we'll go into these games in more detail uh, towards the end of the episode. But Ottawa is going to be returning home for their home opener against the Queens Gales. Golden Gales, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and as you already had mentioned, Max staying at home, welcoming in the uh, Purple Ponies from your alma mater, which uh, I, I, you might have already said this, uh, but no doubt game of the week. That's yeah. going to be so exciting. Uh, Dakota's going to be there. Say what up to him. Um, and and a what up to uh, Andreas Dillick. Thanks for listening, man. Keep up the uh, great work there. That's, uh, that's great to see. So that'll... Uh, That'll put a bow in this one. So let's move on to our next game. Windsor visiting U of T. Final score in this one, U of T Blues 54, the Windsor Lancers 26. Do not go and check your ears. You heard me correct. The U of T Blues 54, the Windsor Lancers 26. First victory for the Blues in, is it, is it officially, is it actually two years? Just, just shy of it? I'll, I'll double check here, but uh, the fact that 2017 they went one and seven. That's their last win there. So somewhere in that ballpark, Dakota, you were at this game, 
we were pressing hard for everyone and anyone listening to our week one episode to get out there. Give us a little slice of what it was like out there, man. Well, first of all, I want to I want to say I want to take one hundred percent of the credit as as you and you and me, not not just me, one hundred percent of the credit for the fact that there was a solid crowd at this game. A solid crowd. Yeah. You know, still obviously empty seats, as to be expected on a long weekend, but definitely I've been to a couple of UFT games. This was probably the best crowd I've seen in three years. Um, you know me. I, I, I picked UFT to win. I had them going to win. A little, little, little bit of me said, okay, maybe Windsor, you know, they, they came off a good win against York. They have a stellar running back, put up 170-plus yards on the ground. This was all UFT. All in all UFT – Offense. Their offense is the most exciting offense to watch in years. And this, I know, I, I went to Western. I've seen some crazy things. And OU. Hold on, on. you most exciting offense to watch in years. Are you specifically referring to a U of T offense, or are you? I'm saying, I'm saying, most exciting OUA offense I've seen in years. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So please continue. You. you you're at your own, we'll, we'll call it their own 35. It's first down. You're already up by two scores. You know, they expect they're going to run out the clock. Nope. Killer Clay. Clay with a K as he's better known. Mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Drops back. Throws it, what, 79 yards to Lovegrove? He also had another 75-yard bomb to Will Corby. Like, they don't take the foot off the gas. This is, and like I, I'm saying, any receiver can go in any different position. Like, last week they had almost three receivers with 100 receiving yards. This week, they had a receiver with 179, 161, 66 and two scores. Nick's, a sad Nick, had one reception for 52 yards and a score. Like, they're throwing the ball every which way. You go go ahead, step step in here. You know, all right. I, 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 love, I love what we're seeing. I mean, it's, it's great to see UFT looking, you know, showing some signs of life. Don't play devil's inside. advocate here. Don't, don't do it. We've been over the fact that Waterloo – their defense is what's going to hold them back, if if anything. And Windsor, I don't know. I really, I really don't know that much about Windsor, to be honest, other than, you know, what we saw out of Savani last week. And, you know, I, I like Sam Girard, but obviously I'm naming the offensive guys. I don't really know all that much about the defensive side of the ball. Is this, I mean, two games in an eight-game season, that's obviously a quarter of the way through. Do you think this is going to hold up against some of the tougher defenses? I mean, maybe not to the full extent, but from what we're seeing? Look, you know, I, I think they might, you know, struggle against the interior line that is Mac, but I'll put that offense against pretty much any other defense in the OUA. Um, I got a chance to sit down with Daniel Diodati, uh, number one for them. He came off just an injury from the previous week. And he had the exact same thing to say. You know, they're going to, they're ready to go up against any team any day of the week. Uh, they're not afraid. They have the most electrifying offense, especially, you know, Killer Clay with 935 yards in two games. I don't see a reason why why they're going to slow down. Well, let's hear that clip of you with Diodati right here live on At The 55. I mean, some people would like to say we play some questionable defenses with Waterloo and Windsor, but as you can see, the, the yards that we're putting up, it's it's not really a question of the defense. It's consistently we're driving on teams and Really, all I got to say is just wait till next week, and then the week after that, and the week after that. We're just going to keep looking ahead. All right, Dakota, man. I'm, I'm, I want to be excited about this UFT team, but I know that you are, are very heavily riding or 
pardon me. No, you're, you're leading the charge on this UFT bandwagon. I started this bandwagon. This is this is Dakota. This is Dakota approved. Please ignore the the sponsored polo that I'm wearing. <laughs> what's your What's your best case outcome? Not even looking past the regular season, but what's your best case outcome? I want you to play this out. Take a look down down the schedule for me, if you will. So you want what you're asking for is is turn up the heat. I want to see throw a little throw, throw, some throw, gasolina. Little, throw a little hot take on this. Yeah, one. yeah. Let's okay. make it spicy. It's already pretty hot in here. You know, let's they're, turn they're, up the gas. They're beating Windsor. Before before we get into this, I already want to say that I have them going into Laurie and winning. It was it was a it was very tight for me when I saw them win. I was like, ooh, you know, that was a really great offense. Maybe they'll beat Laurier. And then I watched Laurier York, and no offense to anyone there, that put me to sleep. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I already have them beating Laurier. Okay. So that puts them at what? Two and one? Two and one. Two okay. And one. Dakota okay. has them two and one going into week four. Two and one going into week four. And then they face Queens. Mm -hmm. If they don't, Queens, no. Queens and Varsity Stadium, I'll be there. I'm calling it, I'll be at that game. They go up three and one. Okay. We have UFT three, three and, and one. one. Okay. We have, okay. Okay, I have them going to Carlton. Don't. Come on, man. Come on, man. We need some. This has got to be somewhat credible podcast. You know, I'm gonna say they're gonna they're gonna lose to Carlton. Okay. Mm. Uh, you know what? I take it back. They're gonna go. They're gonna go Carlton to beat. Where you said best case scenario. Oh uh, yeah, best yeah, case yeah. Scenario. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, but you want to be credible? McMaster comes to Toronto and beats. Well, thanks, Sherlock, for that insightful uh, prediction there. But okay, so we have a what now? Four. And you already know what I got here. If you listen to <laughs> you listen to the podcast last week, you read my blog article. Toronto's gonna beat York. Yeah, we know. Everyone's gonna be York. And then okay. you know what? You know I'm gonna say it. We, we talked about this before. Yeah, we did. Last game of the season. Yeah. We will both be there. Yeah. October nineteenth. Guelph is gonna come to Toronto and get oh, slapped up. Toronto finishes six and two. Best case scenario, Toronto beats six and two. And if Toronto beats Guelph, what happens? What happens, Zach? I am going to uh, take this nice. Where is it? This nice Guelph snapback hat of mine that I'm struggling to find at the moment. And uh, I will, I will cook it and eat it. He's not going to eat his words. He's going to eat his hat. I will eat my Guelph hat because I'm calling it right now. Toronto is going to go. <laughs> Toronto, and you can you can blood test right now. I am not intoxicated. Toronto is going to go six and two this season. I look at their schedule. They're gonna go six and two this season. Maybe five and three. I have them with a winning record, borderline playoffs at this point. Well, uh, I don't really know where we I'm go. Leading from that here. bandwagon. Uh, okay, so Clay Secura, man, uh, this is looking like the Trey Ford show from 2018 all over again, but in double blue. Or I mean, that's the Argos. What are they called? Do they have a little nickname like that? You know, I was actually... That is just blue. I was. I, I got the pleasure to sit down with our insider, Eddie Meredith, and I noted to him, I said, both attendance-wise and production value of this game is on par with the Argos. And I don't know if that's an insult to the Argos or a boost up to the Varsity Blues, but I'll say that, you know, they got a great halftime performance. It's great for the fans. They got a lot of fans out there. So we can double them the, the, the double blue, you know? Yep. I, don't, I don't think the Argos deserve it. How many wins do the Argos have and how many wins do the Varsity Blues have? They're equal right now. They're equal right now. Yeah, that Labor Day game was real disappointing. Play with a K. Man. Play with a K. Over 450 yards in the air. Knocking fools out. Over uh, 100 yards of the ground. <laughs> I'm I'm good with just the the, the complete hype take on this game. Uh, any last comments on it? U of T varsity blues are the who's back of the week. The who's back. This is the best. Let's introduce this. This is the best. This is the new segment. The who's back of the week. This is the best U of T team 
since 1993. Look it up. I'm not going to do your Google research for you. The best varsity blues team since 1993. You heard that first in Dakota since I was, uh, well, since I was only a few months old. This is the best U of T team we have seen on the field. Sorry for the uh, absolute lack of analysis on the wins apart from both of us, but the U of T hype is just, it's so infectious in this room right now. Windsor's still for real. I'm still, you know, Windsor is going to be a great team in the next couple of years, maybe even later down in the season. But it, just one more point, and this is going to sound more like I'm riding on U of T. They were throwing bombs, but their receivers were covered perfectly. You know, mm. we can talk with Eddie about that as well. They were, it was the perfect coverage. It's just the ball is in that one inch space where a receiver can catch it. Big time players. And yeah, these guys are are on their hip. Their hands are up there. You know, it's one of those plays where they, the cornerback comes back just laying an 80-yard touchdown. The coach just says, sometimes you get beat. So sometimes you get beat. And I, I, I hope, you know, the Cicelli brothers are saying that to their team. That, you know, sometimes you get beat. Uh, they're going to go and they're going to have a hell of a week next week. But that was just a game they weren't going to win. And, uh, you know, in reference to that game, that hell of a game they have next week, it is at home versus Waterloo. A rematch of the week one game we saw last year where Gerard and Ford just went at it, where we really saw just how capable both these quarterbacks were. And as you've already mentioned, it's going to be U of T visiting Laurier for, do you, is it an, even an upset in your books at this point? It, like on paper, it should be, especially because I had Laurie being my my dark horse. I don't know. I just I haven't loved what I've seen from Laurie this year, and I've I don't know if you've noticed, but I really love what I've seen from U of T. Um, so yeah, I have I have U of T. Well, you, you heard it here first. Uh, U of T going six and two in the season, and <laughs> me eating my hat. So we'll call that a wrap on U of T Windsor. Move on to Guelph and Carlton. Final score in this game: the Guelph Griffins thirty-seven, Carlton Ravens twenty. Ravens home opener in Ottawa, Guelph coming in and getting what I think most would consider to be the upset victory. And just to kind of jump ahead of of the, the game in it for a second, with this game in the books, Guelph has now scored five touchdowns. Five touchdowns, that's correct. Guess how many of those are on offense? you got to assume at least at least three or four. A smart person would probably assume at least three or four. The answer is one. And it, it came in garbage time in this game with the game all but wrapped up. Dakota. This this Guelph team is seriously banged up. They were missing both their starting tackles that opened the game last week for them in Liam LaPointe and Eric Starcella. That had them starting two rookies on the O-line. And a, a veteran fifth-year guy, I think he's in fifth-year, Spencer Swan. Shout-out to Spencer Snack Swan. Uh, love you dearly, but I think this is his first time getting legitimate starter starting reps. On top of the fact that they're missing all three of their main returning backs from last year. And riding this kid, Kane Stevenson, a rookie. Shout-out to him for picking up 55 yards on the game. Workhorse. Absolute workhorse. But picking up those 55 on 21 attempts. Holy sm... What in the... This isn't the NFL. You shouldn't be running 21 times as a back right now. Like, that, that, that's absurd. So, where do these points come from? Well, the first score of the game for, for either team started out much like the first score of the game in Guelph's last game against Mac came out against with Clark Barnes, your boy, Barney. 
<laughs> Consecutive kickoff return touchdowns to open the game up for Clark Barney Barnes. And he, he honestly, you know, just as you were up north and I was I was on the socials this week, it made my life easy because I just retweeted a tweet from last week where it says Clark Barnes returns the opening kick. You know, it's just he on, on two returns. I'm not I'm gonna ignore his other returns. On two returns, he has two hundred and six return yards and two scores. Like, you know, I had the pleasure of coaching him for a year. I am trying to find the film where he did have a kick return that one time when I was a special teams coach and it was very similar. This guy this guy is blazing speed. He has great field vision. Wait till he actually starts getting some some reps on offense. He'll he'll be something. You know, he also had he had one rush for twelve yards and two receptions for twenty four yards. So he's He's a lethal, lethal threat. He's going to be there for at least another three years. Yeah, he's certainly making an impact on special teams, if nothing else. So getting that benefit from him out the gate on offense is huge. One of the nice surprises for Guelph offensively had to have been the play of Jordan Terrio, third-year receiver, I believe, out of Niagara Falls. or I think he's in his fourth year, but third-year eligibility or what have you. And they were doing a really good job of, just hitting him either on the play action, a little slice action with him coming across the formation, hitting him in the flats, turning it up, or hitting him on those intermediate routes, which uh, you know he looks like he's got a really secure pair of hands on him and just a really nice safety blanket for Theo to just to hit consistently to pick up yards. Jordan ending up with 100 on the dot on the, on the game with five catches. But looking at the, the Carlton side of the, the equation here, Early on, it, it looked like the passing attack, the vaunted receiving core of this Ravens team, was finally getting their what? You, what would you call it? Their chemistry with uh, Tanner John going a 91-yard touchdown from Tanner to Quentin Soares to tie the game up. Just I don't know. It, it kind of looked like maybe a busted coverage or. Soares doing what he does to many defensive backs and just outrunning the coverage. But, you know, a great job there connecting to uh, to tie the game up early on. Yeah, no, they, they definitely had a good a good passing game. But I think the, the main storyline out of this one for me is, yes, I'll give, you know, I'll give all credit to Guelph. I did not have them winning. I, you know, Zach was the only one that had them winning. So we'll, we'll hold the L on that one. I do think Carlton, not, I'm not going to say they gave them the game, but, they they made a lot of mistakes, both on the field and just mental mistakes as well. You know, they had threw two interceptions, and both of them returned for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, they had two fumbles, one fumble loss. And you were saying that last year they, they led the league in penalty yards. Yeah. And what was it this week? Penalties. It was 18 penalties, totaling 157 yards. You can't be a happy coach with those kind of numbers. You can't win games with three turnovers and that kind of yardage on penalties. It's not possible. Not in the slightest. But... We need to get to the star of the show, which can easily be handed to Clark Barnes for his performance without a doubt. But the real star of this show really isn't one individual. Very similar with the Mac game. It goes to this Guelph defense. Now, if you were going to pick one guy out of the crowd, it would be Jared Beeksma, linebacker number 24, had the pick six early on in the game. On a on a really beautiful read, I, this this was this was fantastic. It was a screen that Carlton was setting up to Nathan Carter. Beeksman just sniffed it out, attacked, grabbed that ball before it even before Carter even saw him coming, took it to the house for six. And what I loved about it is 
you know, if you watch Carlton's offense, you know they love to use Nathan Carter out of the backfield, whether just running a, a wheel route, uh, you know, whatever type of routes they might give him, or as well in that screen game. So I, I love the fact that, you know, in my mind watching that play, I'm thinking this is a kid who's who's watching the tape, knowing that he's a threat out of the backfield, not just as a runner, but as a receiver, breaking hard on it. But then Beeksma also playing an effect on the other defensive ta- uh, touchdown where he came in off the edge and smoked Tanner and the ball popped out right into the hands of A.J. Allen, who pretty much walked into the end zone for their second defensive touchdown of the game, really putting the game to bed. Other big contributions from the Guelph defense, Joe Reinhardt, senior linebacker, kids an absolute specimen, finishing with seven tackles, two and a half sacks. You had Elaine Simonkinda, 97, who we saw being a terror on the defensive line all of last year, finished with one and a half sacks. Greg Corfield, the senior defensive tackle, he was getting after it. Uh, they don't have Tavius Robinson down for a sack in this one, but I swear I saw him, if not get a sack, definitely causing some noise in the backfield. So a Guelph defense that is is definitely stout. And on top of all those individual accolades, it's got to be pointed out, they held Nathan Carter to only 28 yards. Albeit on, on 10 attempts, which especially when you put that next to Kane Stevenson's 21, it pales in comparison. But Carter is a top back in this league. And my my guess is that maybe the defensive plan for Guelph is Carlton's got the horses at receiver. We know that for sure. But it's on you, Tanner, to get them the ball. And as you know, what we can control is shutting down Nathan Carter so you don't have that other safety valve. And Tanner finished off 20 for 35, 281. You know, the big long uh, reception for 91 that we already talked about. Soares, two TDs, but, you know, he kind of cancels out with two interceptions, which both went for, for pick sixes. So, you know, great performance by the Guelph defense there. Yeah, definitely just to add on to that, you know, you were saying that they held Nathan Carter to 28 yards. I think it's important to note that one of his rushes, one of those 10 attempts, was for 14. Right, So right. then you're really thinking of he ran nine attempts for 14 yards after that. So they really put him in check. You know, he had one one big squirt out there. You know, they really held him in check. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, another thing that was, you know, maybe in the grand scheme of it, didn't really play into the final score. But for Carlton, you had two missed field goals, two missed very makeable field goals by Vincent Plouffe, which, you know, those six points maybe doesn't make the difference, but it's those back-breaking plays that just take the air out of a team. And, you know, you can never really be too, too mad at a kicker because, you know, it's just a kicker and like, ah, you know, get it next time, Plouffe. But just infuriating when you see it happen. So definitely something that for Carlton, along with the penalties, as you were pointing out, needs to be cleaned up. I mean, obviously a kick's not a sure thing, but it's... it should probably be pretty close to a sure thing. Yeah, you know, did you know with the whole petition going around saying kickers are, are real people too, kickers are are players. You know, we always I always thought they were, but then you really got to step up. And there's nothing against this against this young man, but I think the question is, are they going to go with Flannery Fleck here for next week? He, he was one for one with a forty yard for his longest. So, do they have faith in in Vince coming back and making those field goals? Or are they kind of saying, you know what? We got two kickers. Let's let's put the best man out there and ride the hot hands. Yeah, we'll definitely see what they come up with next week. 
but or I think they're on the bye next week. But before we move off this game, anytime Carlton plays, you got to give a shout out to their defense. Oh yeah, Josh Walsh, Jack Casser, Patrol in the middle, doing what they do best. A combined fourteen tackles for the two of them. Walsh with getting a tackle for loss, or pardon me, half tackle for loss. Casser with tackle for loss for five yards. Yeah, uh, Shaheem Charles Brown, another name on that, or name on that defensive line that you always got to look out for, getting a sack. Trevor Hoyt on the on paper, not the most standout game, but when you watch these games, you know he's making noise at that Sam Backer position. So just, once again, another great defense in this league. The receiving core had a good had a good day when Tanner could hit them, but it's those penalties. It's a great Guelph defense shutting them down. And uh, a, a real tough loss for Carlton opening the season off. For, from what I heard and from what you could see on the broadcast, another really great crowd at, M- I think it's M&P Park, they call it down in Carlton. Full house down there. Really great environment uh, on the on the Sunday nighter, but just can't couldn't pull through. Any last thoughts on that one? It, it's, it's always bad to lose, but I think this is kind of the game you want to lose going into a bye week. You can really see what, mm. you, need, what you need to work on. You know, your defense is, is still solid. On, on paper, yeah, you lost... You know, you know, you lost fairly heavy handily in Guelph, but you let what one garbage time touchdown when you're in defense. Your defense is there, so now you you go into a yeah. bye week. You really focus on that offense, and I think that's really important. Unfortunately for them, you know, they come out of the gate of that bye week going down to Western. You know, we'll cover that in the, in the coming weeks. But I think going into this bye week, this is kind of the game you wanna you wanna lose. If you're gonna lose a game, mm-hmm. this is the game you wanna lose with the bye week up next. Really settle down, figure out how your offense is gonna work. And who knows, somehow Carlton always manages in the regular season to play Western tough, it seems. So maybe with the bye week. Not a team. <laughs> fair enough. Well, I mean, few people do. But then on the Guelph side of things, they'll be returning home to take on uh, the York Lions, seeing if they can turn this uh, first opening game, uh, first win of the season into a bit of a win streak. Also a big shout out to Ryan Sheehan picking up his first win as a head coach in the OEA for the Guelph Griffins hopefully the first of many this year and for many seasons to come. So big shout out to them boys at Guelph. I am pretty sure I'll be there on Saturday in Guelph to check out the game, but don't quote me on that. Uh, Cause yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little flaky sometimes, but I'm putting that down as a hard maybe. So maybe we'll <laughs> you, see you there. You heard it here first. Hard, <laughs> hard maybe that Zach comes to Guelph somewhere. So we'll, we'll call it a wrap on that one. And we'll move on to our next game. The game that I think we'll both, Somewhat begrudgingly have to talk about Laurier and York. Final score in this game, the Laurier Golden Hawks 18, the York Lions 10. The game was in the six. Home opener for the York Lions. And oh, um, I guess we have to talk about it because that's what we do. A bit of a snoozer. I, we were texting a little bit during this game whether it was a classic example of a defensive battle or an example of two offenses, can neither it, of whom could can get it be both. I suppose it sometimes can be both. It sometimes can be both. I am going to go ahead and say it wasn't really, it was more the latter in this one. I think, I'm, all right, let's, let's, let's start this off by saying that obviously last week for York in the game against Windsor, the, the big story with that was, the amount of yards they let up. Yeah. And so I think that was going to be a big question to see, you know, was the, the, the yards that Savani put up on them. And we saw Savani with a solid game again against U of T. I think he put up 61 in their outing. 
whether it was a poor York rush defense, whether Savani's the real deal, we probably don't really know out of these two games. But we did see Lavondre Gordon for the Laurier Golden Hawks have a much more Lavondre Gordon looking game. 24 carries for 133 yards. You know, really attacking the really attacking the York defense. And what you could really see in this game was that he wasn't really gashing them big at the beginning. It was just they kept feeding him, kept feeding him. And it's a bit of a cliche in football, but it's 100% true that when you just keep attacking over and 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 over all game, eventually you're going to break big. And he only had a, his long was 26 on the day. That's nice. Absolutely. But a bit of a, a war of attrition for Laurier in this one. They kind of death by a thousand cuts. York on this one. What was your take on this? I'll be honest here. I'd expect nothing less. This is this is gonna make you know our York listeners just hate me even more. Uh, I just I, I couldn't I couldn't. It was it was so hard to watch. Uh, the one big thing I really enjoyed, um, and this is both from a football perspective and from a completely biased perspective, because I do coach and train his younger brother, Alex Daly. Like I said last week, he is a threat. As soon as he touches the ball, I think he had 215 all-purpose yards last week. He had. What was it? Let me just double check here. He had 133 punt return yards, mm. and I'll say longest for 82, and York's only touchdown. You know, that's I love special teams touchdowns. You know, coming from a background of being a special teams coach, um, it can electrify your team and really motivate them. It didn't happen here. Yeah. You no, know, I don't care how much jumping up and down you're going to do. The offensive defense really have to step up. And, you know, York's defense played solid. I'll give them that. York's defense played solid. I was not impressed by York's offense whatsoever. So my my one takeaway was, hey, good job, Alex Daly. That was a, a heck of a punt return. On the York offense side of things, obviously not the most impressive outing, as you uh, so subtly alluded to. Brett Hunchak, twelve for thirty-one for one hundred and twenty-nine yards, uh, no touchdowns, uh, of course, because no one on their offense scored a touchdown. But a really nice a really nice performance by running back Darnell Jarrett, who finished off fifteen attempts. 85 yards, long of 21. And going into the game, I was under the impression that he was going to be taking more of a backup role in this game. I I don't know if they were dealing with some injuries, but on their depth chart going into it, they had Jesse Amanqua, apologies if I'm mispronouncing the name, as their starting RB, but really uh, Jarrett uh, taking the helm at RB there. And all things you know, all things considered, putting together a nice performance on the day. But, yeah, as you mentioned, really just a sputtering performance offensively. It looked like at times Hunchak, well, no, he can't, He did come out of the game at one time with an injury. It looked like a lower body injury of some sort because he went back in later on trying to spark the comeback to try and get the dub for them. And you could tell he was just limping every single snap he was in from, from that moment forward. So a really gutty performance by him, even without putting up the biggest yards or numbers in general in this game. I don't really think anyone can question the type of athlete he is. We know he's phenomenal. And if it was ever in question, this game at least really solidified just the type of heart he has, being able to battle through those injuries in a game where, yeah, I guess down the stretch, it was still close. It was still really they could have made a push to come back. You just love seeing a kid who's able to battle through it like that. It's all heart, all grit, and that's that. That's what football is all about. Just, I just want to talk a little bit, just about you know, we were saying earlier, was it 
poor offense? Was it yeah good defense? And just looking at the stats here, I I am as as little as I am impressed by this entire game, and that goes for you too, Laurie. Laurie, I'm disappointed. You're my dark horse, and you did not show up. York's defense was solid, you know, um, and not just one great performance by one individual player. But they had one, two, three, five people with tackles for a loss. Five individual people. You know, they're still assists, but, you know, they had two sacks, which is, you know, solid for 11 yards loss, six tackles for a loss. Like, I know the sacks are included on that, but that's solid to spread that out and have those individual players that's not just, okay, I'm going to double team this one guy and now we can run on them. You have all of these players that can make these plays in the backfield. That's huge. I think if York's offense decided to wake up a little bit, they could have really helped their defense and their special teams. And I think... I'll be honest, especially with my bold take saying York isn't going to win a game this year, which I stand by. This was the one game I looked at the score. I was like, oh, oh crap. Am I going to look like an idiot? They're going to upset yeah. Laurier right after I said it. But the offense didn't show up. Warren Crane, you were saying how impressed you were with your team, and I agree with that. I'm really impressed with your special teams. I'm really impressed with your defense. I am not impressed with your offense. I don't know what's going on, but something's got to happen if you want to win some games. And on the Laureate side of things, and I'll, I'll, I'll echo your, your sentiments there, definitely some impressive performances by the Lions defensively. On the Laureate side of things, I, I wonder if part of this is we kind of joked around with, uh, or perhaps we weren't joking around with some possible spreads. I never going, joke. <laughs> <laughs> drop that Crimson Tide spread on this game. And I wonder if for Laurier, they, they kind of maybe slept walked into this thinking that it would be a cakewalk and they were unpleasantly surprised by, as you point out, a, a stout York defense. Yeah, and but but now if I'm Laurier, you know, where where do I go from here? I go into week one against Western and I say, Hey, I can, you know, we can we can go toe to toe with Western and they kinda did. They kinda went toe to toe with them. And then I think, yeah, you know, they see York. They anyone sees York or U of T or Windsor on the score on on the schedule, they're like, okay, that's that's a dub. I don't have to worry about that. But now they go against York and they don't do anything impressive. They lose. They lose a very solid player in Brendan McCracken. I don't have an update on his injury, but yeah. you know, from what we saw, it didn't look good. No. And while York did lose, they kind of put Laurie on notice that hey, you know, York's defense is good, and Laurie may not be everything it's cracked up to be. And now I think Laurie has to go back and kind of figure out their stuff, they're, they're a rough one-and-one one on the year. Despite of what I suggested there about maybe Laurier coming into this game slow, I think to your point, coming off of that game versus Western, where you really did show that you can compete with the big dogs, and in an OU way where we're expecting some good teams to not make the playoffs this year, I just felt like the attitude for Laurier coming into this game has to be we're better, let's show we're better, let's get up on them early, let's get up on them big, and let's put this to sleep as quick as we can. And uh, it just, it, it really just didn't show out. The only it's thing fun. that went to sleep was me on my couch. And I don't blame you. I guess just ultimately disappointing. Kind of like the feeling I had watching Guelph Week 1 where you just felt like you could have done better. But... A win is a win is a win, and as we mentioned and as we've talked about a lot already, and as I'm sure we will continue to talk about, every win is going to matter dearly this season with the amount of competition in the league. So moving on to next week, we've already set up both of these games briefly. Laurier is going to be going back home 
with the UFT Blues, with your UFT Blues, Blues. traveling to take them on, and the York Lions will be hitting the road to take on Mike Guelph Griffins. Uh, that's the 1 o'clock game. Laurier is a 7 o'clock game, so you'll be able to hopefully catch both those games. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how both these teams can respond after fairly mediocre performances. And let's, with that being said, let's move on to our last game of the week, Queens versus Western. Final score in this game, the Western Mustangs 40, the Queens Golden Gales 23. This was the home opener for Western at TD Place, or what do they call it? TD is it TD Waterhouse? TD? It might, just, might just be TD Stadium now that you know that I got rid of the Waterhouse, but well, whatever you want to call it. Big ups to the athletic department for getting students out to this game, because according to the OUA website, the attendance at this game was ninety seven hundred. What up, Argos? Where you at? You're not wrong on that. So, you know, big up for the Western faithful coming out to see their Purple Ponies take the win. On the game, Western moving to 2-0. Queens with their second loss on the year. We saw Chris Merchant going 23 for 33, 355 in the air, two TDs, one pick, couple yards on the ground as well, as we've seen he's wanted to do. But at times, I I sometimes worry about Chris Merchant. I feel like... He has the athleticism, no doubt, to move the ball with his feet. But sometimes he just it seems like he's a little careless with it. He he tried to hurdle a guy at one point. You know, we saw in the semifinal last year against Sask him take a beating in and out of the pocket. And with how young this team is, obviously they got a great receiving core. They have some good running backs. Humes obviously uh, is uh, a talented back. Young offensive line. Merchant can't get hurt, and I, I just I, I don't see the need for him to you know he had ten rushes. Your quarterback shouldn't be leading your team in rush attempts. Yeah, I'm just gonna put that out there. Even Lamar Jackson doesn't lead his team in rush attempts. It, it shouldn't be a situation where you're leading your team in rushing attempts. And that's, I mean, obviously, some of those are gonna be a result of getting rushed out of the pocket at times, but even still, he just. <laughs> He just doesn't want to go down, it seems. I just, I don't, I mean, you give him his credit for wanting to, uh, trying to get the extra yards by putting his shoulder down. But I just don't know if it's it's ultimately going to be the smart play for them in, in the long run. I know Greg Marshall probably isn't loving it, especially with, you know, he already had three sacks against him that, that this week and, and five last week. He's taking some licks. He took a nasty hit. Looked like he, you know, was seeing stars a little bit. Obviously, he stayed in the game, but. You wish nothing but health, health for these guys, and you, you kind of say, "Hey, you know, you know, it's tough." Because as a fan, I'm say, "Tuck the ball and you know, go for it." Yeah. As a guy who's who's been decked one too many times, I'm saying, mm, "Run out of bounds, throw it away," you know. But you gotta love the competitiveness in, in Chris because he he's in it for the team. He doesn't care how much he's getting hit. You know, if his receivers are getting hit, he's taking it. His running backs are yeah. getting hit, he's taking it too. So. But on the note of what he can just do as a pure passer and obviously everyone knows what he can do as a passer i think that i sometimes sleep on this receiving core i feel like sometimes i sleep on western in general just because how good they are it's almost an afterthought it's like oh cool western's good like oh sick tell me something i don't know but i just want to take the moment to give shout outs to to element to bestger to majoros in that order 101 yards 96 yards 75 yards total majoros doing a lot of work in the return game as well I know I've speak I speak very highly about the Carlton receiving core. 
the Gigi's receiving core. I, the, the Blues receiving core is really tight. But especially when you add in the fact that Merchant is the Q and he's been there and he has chemistry with these guys. When this offense is clicking, this might be the best passing attack in, in the OUA. I, I, I'm sorry to to throw that hey, out there. You know, no, I, I love I love Western and I think I'm just, you know, starting that bandwagon and being excited for the Blues. But, yeah. you know, I always think, especially, you know, Cole, you're talking about a workhorse over with uh, Guelph. Cole returns pretty much every kick. You know, he, we're talking about players taking a beating. Uh, we got him returning. I'm just taking a quick look here. Yeah. You know, five punt returns. Um, and that, that, that adds up along with his, well, sorry, just going to scroll up here. Five punt returns and, and seven receptions. So he's, he's taking a beating too. Uh, Brett Ellerman, like I said last week, he had a slow start, even though he had that one touchdown and the, the block punt. He, I have him being uh, first-team OUA All-Star receiver this year. You know, he has the size, he has the quickness, the route ability, uh, and he has that chemistry with Chris. So the 101 yards this week, I don't think that's a one-off. I think he'll continue to grow and look for him in the end zone a couple more times. He was, he was kept out this week, but definitely watch for him next week. And on the other side of the ball, or I should say on the other sideline, James Keenan getting the start for Queens again, ended up 13 for 28, 182, a touchdown, a pick. Uh, you know, as a young quarterback, first year starting, still some, obviously is going to be some growing pains. That pick turned into, I think it was a 20-yard touchdown return for uh, the man with the best name in the OUA, Bleska Kambamba. And... But, you know, still seeing some nice things from Keenan. He has, you know, pretty solid escapability in the pocket when he's getting pressured. And with the likes of guys like Deontay Knight bearing down on him from that defensive line, definitely an asset that he was using wisely at times. But I think the big story with, with, with Queens, as we're going to be seeing all season, is just the, the, the gelling of this young team under this young or new coaching staff and, and just seeing improvements each week even if it's just small details they don't necessarily I don't I don't think for Queens this year winning record a playoff berth anything like that is really going to be what gets people excited going into next year it's just seeing that those little things are coming together seeing a guy like Tristan Kucher only 38 yards on the game but you were seeing that there was plays where that offensive line was giving him space and he was busting out runs really gashing them up the middle from time to time seeing guys like Ben Aaron, Richard Burton, some guys that we've seen there in the mix for them on the receiving end, starting to come into their own with Keenan. So once again, it's not really about the wins for this team. And was it last week we were saying for UFT, if they go, they go 0 and 8, but look competitive. And now somehow we've gone from that with UFT to saying, Hey, they're going to go six and two and I'm going to eat my Guelph Griffins hat. (laughs) So maybe I'll slide that 0 and 8 and look competitive moniker over to Queens that, I don't really care necessarily about the wins or losses for them this year. I just want to be able to see that they keep showing signs, positive signs each and every week. Yeah. Like we were saying last week, you know, it, it may not be this week, next week could be in a couple of years. Um, it's, it's hard to see as a team, you know, saying, you know, winning isn't everything when, you know, for some of these guys, it's their last year, but as a, as a coach and as a, with a bunch of young players, you really have to look at the future of the team. Each game is kind of a learning experience and, I think Schneider knew maybe downplay a little bit to his guys, but going into Western any any given day is is a hard task, you know. Especially you were saying a young quarterback, 
but he's facing. You got there were Western's defense had three sacks for negative twenty one yards, <sighs> nine tackles for a loss. Like they're they're in your face. Yeah. The linebacking core, especially they can grow from week to week mm-hmm. as they as they've been doing, and and they have and they've had probably the best defensive line, top notch. I'd say top three defensive line. You know, up there with Laurier and Mac um, over the past years, like. It's scary, you know. As a as a young quarterback, I wouldn't want to go to TD Stadium and for ten thousand people almost and have the most aggressive defense in the league come after me. But you know, he stayed in there. Yeah, he threw that one pick. You know what? So did so did Merchant. So did so did Kevin John. You know, one interception is not going to end it for you. And I think really for Queens, it's just kind of finding themselves and finding that where they're going to be, what kind of team they're going to be. And yeah, in the next couple of years, though, they're going to be good. They might squeak a couple wins out this year, but. Don't expect they're not going to run the table and go six and two. They're not going to do anything amazing, but you know they might get a couple wins. And I think just look for them to find their rhythm throughout the next couple of weeks. And guys that we've talked about in the past, and if you've been watching OUA football and specifically Queens football, guys you know to watch, but who definitely showed out in this game for them on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, Cam Lawson in the middle had a monster sack. A loss of six yards, I think it was, on the play. Uh, yeah, showing up at six yards here. Just I mean, a young offensive line, but he does what he did to that O-line to the best O-lines in the league. So an, an absolute force in the middle. And then, of course, Curtis Schaefer at linebacker. Seeing him on special teams making a lot of plays, but in the defensive, on the defensive side as well, coming up huge. The, the solo tackles, the tackles for loss, the, the sacks, the picks, those are the ones that really stand out. But there's something about seeing a guy end up with 10 assists that you know, I, I, that says something about how well he rallies to the ball. Maybe he's not the first man there, but he's always going to end up getting his nose in the pile, helping bring the man down. Just in a, in a veteran presence for them there, really setting the tempo for some young guys with that for that defense. So once again, all positive signs that you can take away if you're Queens. And and for Western, as we kind of mentioned, a team that does sort of get better and better as the year goes along. And you can kind of see it in some of the, the post-game interviews from, from Greg Marshall talking about, I mean, it, it's seemingly just disappointment in his team's <laughs> performance, which... Well, look, they, they put up 34 in the first half. And we're left out of the end zone in the second half. And if you know anything about Greg Marshall, you know, usually how it goes is, you know, the first week they go down to Windsor and they put up 76. Mm. And when they get to the fourth quarter, that's when Greg, sorry, when they get to the last four minutes, that's when Greg says, okay, we'll put in the backups. But, you know, Greg loves, and nothing against it, I, I love to coach that way too. If, if you don't like it, stop me. And it kind of seems that, that Queens did that. And I was saying a lot about, hey, you know, Western had three sacks for negative 29 yards. Queens had three sacks for negative 19. Like, yeah. They were there. They had five tackles for loss for 24 in the backfield. Yeah. Like, that's still that's still very impressive for such, uh, not a necessarily a young team on the defense, but just a, a new team with a new you know head coach, new organization. And while I can't say I, I know Greg Marshall on any personal level, if there's one thing I can, I'm, I'm more than happy to say he also doesn't like seeing is, while, while eight penalties isn't the worst thing in the world, when that adds up to 128 yards, given the pedigree that they have there and the expectations 
that's you know not going to be the most friendly film sessions and, and practices <laughs> leading into week three i can imagine uh for for western there there's no room for for error when you're going down to down to hamilton and playing such a, a fantastic defense there and such a a talented offense there's there's really no room it's not not you know they're not going to a bye week they're not going into a quote-unquote given win from the bottom mm. teams you know they're going out and they're playing mac this is both of our games of the week and greg should not, be all yours yeah greg is not gonna sorry mr marshall g marsh as it were is not gonna let that slide against mac um so you know i'm sure practice won't be the most fun but yeah, it's going to be a heck of a game next week if these if, if Western can continue the, the uprising that they've been doing for the last two weeks. And I'm very happy that this game is in Hamilton for a few reasons. One, and I guess now's as good a time as any to, to lock in my pick that I'm going to go with McMaster taking this one at home versus Western. So for one, Mac having the game at home is what gives me that extra boost of confidence to take them in this game. We'll talk about it a little bit more when we go into our more in-depth predictions for week three. But as well, Mac, we talk about just from a uh, from a home crowd standpoint, they do a great job. But from a production standpoint as well, watching those games on TV or streaming them over OUA TV, they're phenomenal from the, the commentary to the camera angles, to the replays, it's amazing. On the other hand, what we got this past week with Queens playing at Western, and to be fair to the Western production staff, this was a bit of a repetitive thing we saw in a couple of games this week. Eh, not so pretty, to be fair. Can I can I just cut into it? Can I, you know... The platform is yours. So, so Zach and I are, are trying to find some new, you know break up our podcast so it's not just box score so much you know loose new segments so i'm trying to do this new thing called dakota's do better of the week and i'll be going in it's either players coaches rest but this week it's it's oua production quality and oua just tv as a whole so first of all oua tv do better okay just talking about western you know i don't i don't have a car i can't drive down i'd love to go visit london i'd love to go watch the game i can't do it What's with the delay? Why can't I watch it? You know, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, my old roommate used to do it. You got the people out there. You got the Fanshawe kids. You got the Western TV kids. You got the golf carts with the extra TVs. You got the commentators. You knew this game was coming. What's up? Do better. I'm going to jump back a couple games right now. And for any player, any ex-player is going to agree with me. And I hope every fan's going to agree with me. You know, it's fun sometimes to go on YouTube and watch gruesome injuries. But when we're watching, let's be real. These are young men, okay? They're not playing for millions of dollars. They go to school first, okay? And I'm watching a York U, Wolford Laurier game. And McCracken goes down with, you know, we, we see an injury. Okay, it's an injury. Not only do they have the sound on him, so we can hear him screaming in pain. Some of the worst screams I've ever heard. And I, I don't know what would happen, and I'm praying for him. Because it looked brutal. Not only that, they could turn off the sound. They put the camera on him and they zoom in. He's the only one there. I can see his face. I can see him screaming. That is not okay. You don't do that. You don't in the NFL, in the NHL, in the MLB. You don't do that. So why are you doing it for young men? Why are we watching these players get hurt? This isn't gladiators. These are young men. 
playing the sport that they love. I don't want to see that. So OUA, you're the do better. You're the donkey that we do better. Okay. I don't want any cutouts. I don't want poor production quality. Okay. There's no excuses anymore. It's 2019. If I can film a vlog with my phone and get a million views, do better. Can you legit film a vlog with your phone and get a million views? Because we could really use that for the podcast. I'm just I'm saving that for my birthday. Ah, shoot. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, bite on that a little bit. But that was the code is do better. It's my do better of the week. You heard the man. So, oh, you wait, step up your game. And, uh, you know, I'll even point to the fact that I already spoke highly about the McMaster production staff and the game where we saw another brutal injury. And obviously – you're going to see it happen, and there's going to be the moment where you show the player down. They were fairly quick to realize, okay, Bittner's not getting up. Let's cut Let's to something away. else. There's plenty happening on the field. You can show the team taking a knee. I mean, obviously, for the Mac, they can cut to, I think they wear the cut, cut to commercials. Cut OUA commercials that I've seen 27 times <laughs> in the last two weeks, where it's a bunch of people playing sports from 20 years ago. Do anything. Cut yeah. to black with the weird no audio, because I saw that 20 times in the last two weeks as well. There's a million options you can do. I don't want to see someone hurt, okay? That's not okay under any circumstance. Do better. Do better, and hopefully for Queens, they can do better next week as they travel to the nation's capital to take on the GGs, looking to pick up that first win of the season. Both teams actually looking to pick up their first win, and as we have mentioned many and many a time, and we will go into more detail momentarily, Western, Mac, it's in Hamilton, 1 o'clock this Saturday, Ron Joyce Stadium. It is going to be a raucous affair. I don't need to say anything else. Dakota's going to be there. You're going to want to be there. Bring your mom, bring your friends, bring your grandma, everyone you can grab. Grab some tickets, go down and watch a showdown. No doubt that's going to be an absolute, absolute barn burner of a game. So that wraps up our week two review. And with that being said, Let's move on. Uh, shout out to my dogs, uh, Dakota, holding it down at the 55. Uh, stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. Week three predictions. Starting off, we have York visiting Guelph. One o'clock game this Saturday. I'll start off for us. I'm going to take my Guelph Griffins in this one. Dakota, I think well, you, have to, you have to pick Guelph. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, you know, a lot of sleepless nights here. Um, but, you know, I think I'm just going to have to go with Guelph. And... Mm, is Clark Barnes returning? That's the question. That's the question of the week. I'll leave that up to the listeners, but, you know, watch out for him. Opening kick. Is Barney going to take it for six again? So we both have Guelph taking it against York in that one. Second game, we have Waterloo going to visit Windsor in Alumni Field. The fake Alumni Field, because we know the real Alumni Stadium's in Guelph. Another 1 o'clock game, because the OUA can't figure out how to make a good schedule. Who do you got in this one? See, this one's this one's real tough here. Um, you know, Waterloo obviously coming off the bye, so we only got one one good week to see them. Um, but with that being said, just basing on the fact that you know they both played U of T, um, I think Waterloo stood in there a little bit stronger. I think it's I think it's going to be a close game. You know, uh, but Trey Ford is just is is something else to handle. So I'm going to give it to Waterloo. I'll say Waterloo by you know. We'll put it at five, five and a half. Waterloo. Waterloo <laughs> minus five and a half. I'm also going to go with Waterloo on this one. Obviously, they got the horses on offense. Waterloo, uh, pardon me, uh, Ford, uh, Ternowski, Pellerin, Lamb. And part of me is also hoping that that Trey Ford, that you're out there listening to all this Clay Secura hype and all this new Ford and all this out-dueling Trey Ford talk, and you're just going to go out and put a 
I don't know, a 600 yard, 200 on the ground, five combined touchdown running and, and passing, just absolute manhandling on Windsor. Uh, but hopefully another an, an entertaining game because, as I mentioned earlier, we saw last year, week one, these two teams duel it out and a great performance by Girard, really the performance that I think made put Girard on the map for a lot of people. Uh, made them take made made them take note. Hopefully a good game, but yeah, I'll also take Waterloo in this battle. Next, we move over to the nation's capital, where we have Queens visiting the GGs. Both teams, as we mentioned, looking to pick up their first win. I no report on on Bittner at the moment, but as we both said, I, I would be absolutely floored to see him take the field for them in the home opener. Uh, I'm still gonna go with Ottawa. Uh, I, I don't know about O'Day, whether he's going to be running the ball either, but we've just seen that their defense is very stout. They still have the receivers. Maybe they can kind of do what Carlton's been working on, which is with a, a quarterback that going into the year may not have been your go-to pick, but a guy that hopefully you can facilitate the ball, get it into your weapons' hands, and let them do the work. Um, and, you know, how can you go wrong with a guy named Ben Maracle? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I hate, I hate to agree with you as much, as much as I like you, I, I'd like to say I want to disagree just for the fun of it, but I'll put some respect on the maroon. Sorry. I mean the, the Garnet and I'm going to say Ottawa comes out with this win here. Queen's still a great young team. Um, but Ottawa looked good. Ottawa looked good even without their, their starting QB in, which I can only assume is not going to play. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be closer than Ottawa would like, but I'm going to say, you know, Ottawa squeaks out. Ottawa minus four and a half. <laughs> that takes us to the game of the week, the game I'm sure the OUA will have as their game of the week as well. And that's Western. That's Mac at Ron Joyce. You already heard my pick. I'm taking the McMaster Marauders in this game. I just think that defense is just suffocating. We've already seen what some teams can do against a fairly young offensive line. McMaster, no slouch, the best defense in this league. I think they're going to get after Merchant. I think they're going to make him uncomfortable. And we're going to see if Dewitt can keep improving week after week. We'll see. Is Jordan Lyons back? That three-headed monster uh, with your boy Allen, with Tavian um, in the backfield as well. I got to go with Mac on this one. Just that That's my thought on this game. Look, this... Without a doubt, this is going to be the game of the week. If you like, you know, if you're new to football and you like things like, you know, KC versus the Rams where it's 56-55, don't watch this game. <laughs> this is going to be just a trench battle. You know, you got a great solid, you know, they're young, but a great solid O-line in Western. Great solid defensive squad for McMaster. Um, it's, it, I don't think it's going to be high scoring. And I would agree with you. you know, I, I on the way here, I was thinking McMaster, you know, great defense. Western hasn't really shown a lot this year. But that being said, Chris Merchant has not lost a game with Western. Western hasn't lost a game. And as of tomorrow, when you're listening to this, it will be officially three years since Western's lost at home. So I can't, I can't say Western's going to lose. I just can't. And, you know, McMaster, as great as they are, they could pull out the win. It's going to be a close one. Western goes minus two and a half. I'll be there. You know, if you want to come chirp me or sit and distract me as maybe my team is losing, that's great. Um, come find me. Tweet at me, at Vine Dakota. We'll, we'll, we'll hang out and, and grab a soda pop. 
and one uh, one point that didn't come up in the Mac Audible review. I don't know the status on this player. Didn't see. Uh, to be honest, he may, maybe he came back in. But the left tackle for Mac, uh, Joe Benzie, I believe it is. He went out at one point in the game. Uh, it didn't look great. Obviously, that's going to be a big loss for them. So hopefully, a speedy recovery to uh, to Benzie there, because you know, as much as we talk about Max defense, young defense for the Mustangs, but particularly on that defensive line, when you have guys like Thurston, guys like Knight on the edge rushing, you know, for Duke to do what he does, you got to give him a clean pocket, and that's going to take us into the last game, the seven o'clock game. Saturday night, it's UFT, it's Golden Ho- it's the Golden Hawks. Dakota's got his hands fist pumping in the air. Dakota, let the people know. Blues, baby. UFT's taking this. I don't even want to call it an upset anymore. You know, Laurie on paper is looking great. Laurie in the last two weeks, not so much. UFT is riding this hot offense and this hot 54-point win against Windsor. They're going into Waterloo. They're going to put up the dub. You heard it here first. Okay, I already have them going six and two. I might be crazy, <laughs> but they're definitely winning this game. You know, I'm not just doing this to sound crazy. I'm not Skip Bayless. UFT is winning. Laurier's DBs aren't looking hot enough to stop this. I want to call it a six-headed monster, led by number six, Killer Clay. Clay with a K. They're, he's putting up another four hundred. I'm gonna go with Laurier in this one. For a couple reasons, one, you know, whether it means anything or not, it, go ahead and tell you right now. It mean it doesn't mean anything as far as what's gonna happen in the game. But I'm just gonna make the pick for parity. I want to make sure that we get some even teams in the league. I want to see Laurier bounce back. If they go, I mean, if they go, if if they go one and two, and oh man, after the disappointment of last year, that would just be just heartbreaking for the Golden Hawk faithful out there. And as well, I'm just kind of hoping that what I was expecting to see against York, that kind of shot in the arm. Hey, let's go out there. We're at home in this case. We got the crowd supporting us. I imagine it's going to be their O-week game. Let's go out. Let's put our foot down on them quick. Let's let's get up on them early. And let's do what we should be able to do. Because you're right, on paper, this team has been, has looked much better than they have played, in, in particular in that last game. So I, I think if you're, if you're Laurier, at a certain point, you got to just step up to the plate and uh, and, and play like you're meant to, to be. But th- that wraps up our predictions for week two. Uh, make sure to head to at the 55.ca for the full team's picks. That will hopefully be up later on this week. Or, no, that will definitely be up later on this week. But hopefully in uh, not too uh, long a time. Uh, that will pretty much wrap it up for us today. Still uh, no action in the mailbag. Once again, you can... Hit us up on Twitter at the 55, sliding those DMs on Instagram at the 55 podcast, or hit us up on the old email machine at the 55 podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, any concerns, comments, you just want a quick shout on the air, whatever it is you want us to talk about or whatever kind of conversation you want us to be having, let us know. We're happy to talk about any of it or all of it. You just got to let us know. Yeah, what what game? What game do you want us to come see? You know, we're gonna try and go go out to a game every every week, and obviously U of T New York's easy for us. But you know, we'll make a trip down there if you wanna give us a reason why we should come down and watch watch your team. You know, and we already have Dakota. You said you're gonna be in Hamilton, and I'm sticking with my hard maybe on the Guelph York appearance. You heard it here first, hard <laughs> yeah. maybe. 
Um, so once again, all one o'clock games, aside from the seven o'clock action down in Laurier, you know, if you got to if you can only watch one, got to make it Western and Mac. It's, I, I, I cannot wait. Honestly, that might be, obviously I can watch it after the fact. That might be the main reason I don't go to Guelph. So I can be at home watching that Western Mac game. So, you know. I'll save a seat beside me on the stadium, so. Alright, maybe, we'll call it a soft maybe for me to make an appearance at Ron Joyce. We've got a hard maybe for Alumni Stadium, a soft maybe for Ron Joyce. Uh, So I believe that'll wrap it up for us here this week. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you next week at the 55.